Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Your Fest, the podcast that's all about music festivals. I am one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined as ever and always by my mustachio co-host, Mr. Thomas Andrew Stewart. Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm good, mate. You sound really different this week to, to you did uh, last week, but we, we won't address that other than that quick address there. Uh, but I'm very well, mate, and we might have another mustachioed guest with us, might we not? We do, but before that, you're supposed to ask how I am, and I'm very well, thank you. And we have to say what the format of the podcast is for anybody that's not listened before, so fire away. Okay, yes, on your fest, every week we get a different guest to come on and talk about their dream festival. It can be three acts uh, across three days, anyone dead or alive, and they have to pick a name and location for said festival. Mustachio guest, Johnny, who is it? And our guest this week is the mustachioed artist and illustrator, Stanley Chow, who you will have no doubt seen his iconic style. He's worked with bands like Pixies and White Stripes to do stuff for them. He's done stuff with Andy Burnham. He's done loads of portraits, loads of great landscapes in Manchester as well. And he's an amazing guy. And we're really looking forward to hearing what he's going to pick for his dream festival. Yeah, Stanley's like one of the, obviously in a day and age where it's quite hard, especially with COVID and that, for like artists to be doing big things. He does loads of cool stuff, as Johnny just mentioned. And I just remembered, like, the other day, randomly, because I knew we were doing this interview, when they had the hashtags for the Game of Thrones series, like, that it was his little icons were on the worldwide, like, trending thing for each individual character and stuff, which is about as big and as cool as it gets uh, for an artist, I think. There we go. So the coolest thing Tommy can think of is a Game <laughs> of Thrones <laughs> emoji. <laughs> As sometimes I say things and I, I just don't even, it's like Michael Scott. It's like sometimes I say things and I don't know where the sentence is going to finish. So I'll just keep talking and it's absolute tripe most of the time. Thanks for, if I didn't have you here, Johnny, to point out though, then uh, we'd all be fucked. Anyway, should we get through a whole podcast of Tommy talking tripe? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Here we go. This is episode 39 of Your Fest with the fantastic Stanley Chow. Let's go. Yeehaw. Giddy up. Woo. <laughs> Stanley Chow, welcome to Your Fest and to the Your Fest Planning Committee. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. We're looking forward to it, aren't we, Tommy? The nicest background. I know it's a visual medium, a podcast, but I can assure listeners that Stan has the nicest background of anyone we've interviewed so far. Yeah, I, I second that. He's got, um, it's as you'd expect with Stanley Chow, very arty. Um, and there is a, I'm looking at a blockbuster uh, football replica shirt with a Puma logo. And um, what what do you say the badge is? Canon. It's Canon, yeah, the Canon Canon video. Um, yeah, very cool, very Stanley Chow. Exactly what I've expected and more from the great man. For all we know, Stanley could have just illustrated this background, and it is actually a Zoom <laughs> background. <laughs> That's how good he is. <laughs> oh. I, I was going to ask you this before the call, but how, um, I, I, it's not about festivals at all, but how cool is it for you that Andy Burnham has has one of your illustrations as his profile picture on Twitter? 
Uh, no, it, it's absolutely mad, really, because um, because you you know it's it's used for his official campaign now, like um, for his for his re-election, which is which is another mad thing as well. But yeah, no, I, I was kind of blown away by that, really, um, because you know after he after he slagged off, you know the the government for, for not helping us, or when I say not helping us, helping Greater Manchester, I just had a lot of a lot of tweets, and my wife was saying, you know, sure, picture Andy because we all love him. Uh, and I did it. I drew it, and then within like within minutes, Andy liked it, That's and amazing. stuck it on his stuck it as his um, Twitter profile. And then before I knew it, I like him. Um, we, we sorted out a deal where I printed up thousands of posters from prints, sold them, and made money for his um, charity recently. So That's amazing. Raised a few grand for his charity. So it's so all within like like a space of half an hour, like wow. from like. I'm like, oh fucking hell! I was like, I've got these prints in my shop, and I'm selling them, and and yeah. And you, you did m- mugs, haven't you? A few people have yeah. got the mugs. Yeah, I did a few mugs too. Yeah, so um, just 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 because it could, you mean? Know, it was like you know this this one the few times where uh, the three people on the office planning committee are all all Manchester based. Or well, sorry, Johnny Salford. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll say we'll that. say Northwest, but um. Yeah, for our for our listeners elsewhere um, in the UK, well, or outside the UK, Andy Burns a bit of a legend up here, isn't he? I, I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah, second in command in the Northern uh, Independence <laughs> Movement to Marcus Rashford. So... <laughs> <laughs> now that's someone me and Stanley both certainly love. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Not saying you don't like him, Johnny. That would reflect badly on you for all the campaigns. <laughs> Everyone loves him, surely. Even even non even Skysers. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool. Scouts, yeah. <laughs> our our mutual friend um Carl Anker's just written a book with him as well. So he has. Big up Carl. Whose birthday it is today, the day of recording. Yes, um, I, I tweeted him this happy birthday this morning. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Andy Burnham and the Northern Northern Independence Movement. Um, big up that, though. Uh, we're here to talk about music festivals. So, Stan, are you a fan of music festivals, and have you been to many? I've been to quite a few. Um, I like I like them. I prefer just going to gigs, really. You know, I mean, like, um, listening back to most of your Your Fest um, podcasts. I mean, like, the main issue is is like camping. I mean, yeah. I mean, like. If, if if it wasn't for the camping, I'd probably go to more of them. You know, but having said that, since I've had kids and got married, I've done, we've done more camping. But like, um, but prior to that, like to my younger years, all the festivals I did go to always rained, and um, and yeah, and we sure always meant camping as well. You know, and um, yeah, can't do with camping and rain at the same time. You know, yeah, my my. Uh... Like the first holiday we can do after this, my girlfriend keeps saying, um, I don't know if she's in, I think she's at the dentist at the moment, so we're okay, even though she might listen to this. But uh, she keeps saying, Yeah, let's do a camping trip as our first holiday. I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? I wanna go, I wanna, I wanna get out of here. <laughs> I wanna go to Spain, please. You can camp in Spain. Oh, yeah, well, Fuck that. I've done that yeah. before. No way again. <laughs> Oh no! I, I remember, like, I went to Ben. I've been to Ben and Kasim, and I remember seeing loads yeah. of camping on the beach. You know, you know. Did you camp there? No, I, I was on a tour bus. I was, um, yeah, I was, I was on Bad John Boys tour bus. 
Mr. Mr. Cholton himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was. Um, I met Andy Rotel's uh, stag do basically, and the, and the stag do was actually going on tour with it. How did you on board? Fucking hell. That's one of the best your first anecdotes right there. Straight just drops up. it in conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most pe- most people just go paintballing, or if you're lucky, you go to Prague. But now you went to- on tour with Badly Drawn Boy. The only thing I remember about that tour was was getting on the bus. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like yeah, and and the rest like like the it's like five days of haziness basically, you know. But yeah, Benica seems an interest. I love Benica. Seem I went three times, and again, it was like three consecutive years. But it was in my early twenties, and it was a lot more. It was a lot more uh, fathomable and dealable with to do it in your early twenties, but. You'd go to bed at like 4 a.m. and the, you couldn't get the latest you could stay asleep was 6 or 7 a.m. just because of the pure intensity of the heat in the tent. But you didn't have to go through that. You're all right. You're on an air conditioned bloody <laughs> tour bus. Yeah. Well, actually, the air conditioning like, like packed in actually, well, like on the way to on the way to Spain, which is which is awful purely because it was the hottest. It was the hottest like summer that they, that Europe ever had. It was like it was in the 40s basically. Oh. And we were driving through France and ended up before we got to Benicassim. But yeah, it was. Um, who, who else was playing that year? That year, Blur played. Oh. Uh, uh, Beth Orton played. God, who else played? And, um, Beth Orton. No, yeah, Beth Orton, Beth Gibbons, Blur. Just people we'll beginning with B then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the Phonics played as well. But like, it was like it was it was a we did two festivals actually, Benicassim, and then we drove across to Portugal to do the uh, Sudwest festival. Uh, right. So we 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 reached um, Benicassim on a Friday, and I think it was Sunday when we did the um, did the Portugal festival. Johnny's just currently writing down notes like a, he looks like a therapist right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Usually your notepad's hidden under your camera. I've never seen yeah. you proper. He's got it upright like a, like a 1950s journalist. I know, I've not got any of my little hat with press, you know. <laughs> uh, did you get to go on anyone else's tour bus, Blur's tour bus or anything? Well, was, no, it, we, was it strictly we, badly drawn boy? Well, well, no, it's strictly badly, badly drawn boy's tour bus, but we did we did go into um, Blur's Blur's room and we nicked all their booze. Ah, <laughs> ah yes, <laughs> love that. Like um, so yeah, that's what I do remember. And um, but yeah, we were very pissed in that during that weekend. Did I mean, David and find out? Did you get caught or? Well, you, you'll find out now if you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> He's our number one listener, isn't he, Johnny? <laughs> oh yeah, big down, big down. I was in uh, in London from. Uh, we met Damon Alburn. Admittedly, I didn't see much of the in, any gigs really, apart from um, we spent most of the time in, in the swimming pool in, the, in backstage, basically. Badly drawn by had a swimming pool on his oh. tour bus. <laughs> there, was just, there was just a big swimming pool backstage, basically, you know, <laughs> which everyone just hung out in, basically. So, so when swimming. I went, one of the years I went, there was this—I don't know if it was backstage, but it was in a <clears throat> excuse me, it was in a corner of the festival I'd never been to before. I think it was like the Red Bull section, um, and there was this like Red Bull uh, swimming pool, and my mate 
absolutely, you know, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. or something. He's absolutely inebriated and, you know, pissed, whatever else. And he thought it was a good idea to do like a proper head dive, like head first into this pool, assuming it was about, you know, I don't know, a few meters deep at least. And it was, it was I don't know what he was thinking because he could all just see it, the pool up to our waist. <laughs> anyway, like, he smashes his face, smashes tooth, blood all in the pool. All these girls in bikinis in it, just everyone's got <laughs> oh, <laughs> When you say a Red Bull swimming pool, I assume you don't mean a swimming pool full of oh, Red, Red Bull. Because <laughs> <laughs> that so would be a horrible. Not give, wings, not give him wings whatsoever. So you've you've worked with a lot of massive bands. You work with the White Stripes as well, and you're working with Pixies at the moment. Have you ever seen them at any festivals? Well, um, yeah, I saw Pixies at um, when they played Old Trafford. You know, um, you know the the, the the cricket ground. So that was the time we played Pixies. I saw Pixies play, and um, and White Stripes. Well, the thing about White Stripes, like um, like the management was saying, like um, yeah, great. Like um, whenever they play, you can have you can have free tickets for any gig they're playing. And literally, the minute they said that, a week after this, this bit up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like it's just one of those you know oh, great they, they never they, like you know they they, they just toured the UK and, and missed them touring the UK but then they were saying oh we're going to come back and then yeah then they chose chose to split up. Do you think that was because of you? They're like oh. because of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we started living in an old house. Mama gave birth and we were checking. I mean, hopefully they'll get back together. Did you have a, have any contact with with Jack or Meg? Or? No, it was, it was just the management, really. Um, you know, it would have been a bit weird. I, 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 yeah, I, I find I find like um, I'm crap at talking to my idols. You know, you know so, so, so having to talk to Jack or Meg would have been weird. Or Tommy I, or Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have um, I have been in Night and Day when Meg was in. In, in night and day. In night and day, wow. Yeah. I played on that stage. <laughs> yeah. So she, like, she, she, she was, because like, um, um, I, I've got quite a good relationship with Night and Day Cafe. Like, great place, great place. I'm out there all the time. So, so you know, we'll go downstairs in the, in the dressing rooms afterwards and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so there was one, one evening there, Meg was, she was, she, she was the girlfriend of, of a drummer from, from one band, I can't remember what they're called now, but, she was just there, and I was gobsmacked. I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> What's your? You, you said you like going to gigs a lot, and this might be a bit too uh, Manchester centric. But what are your favourite venues in Manchester to go to see gigs? Uh, Other than, I'm assuming night and day. Well, night and day is a is a great venue when it's not too busy. When it gets too busy, it's just the hottest hottest place in, on yeah. earth. Really. But um. I love Gorilla, and I, yes. I love I love Gorilla, and I love Death Institute, and I like and I like Albert Hall as well. Actually, funny enough, they're all owned by the same people. Actually, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think they just had, they they had a good vision. You see, you know, and they just made 
these spaces work really well as a, as gig venues, you know. The alcohol is amazing, especially when you get, go upstairs and stuff, you know, on the the round bit, whatever it's called. Yeah, I, I um, and you mentioned. I remember when I first started. I was at Union Sheffield, and my brother was um, he was at Union Manchester. And I'd come out. I'd come down every. Not that Sheffield's a great great city and a great night out. But we come for nights out every weekend on like Fridays at, at the Deaf Institute. Um, and Deaf Institute is it's so versatile. I've been I've I've been to gigs there. I've played probably like with one of my old bands. Played the best gig I've ever played there in front of like a sold out crowd. And also been to a wedding there. So wow. that's like that's the sort of place Deaf Institute is. I don't know how you describe it to people who haven't been, but. Hopefully it reopens when this is all over, but it's it's like three or four floors, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's. I think the reason it's called Deaf Institute is because it's actually an old Deaf yeah. Institute. Go on. No, no, I'm just dreaming about being there. Go on. Oh, what are you yeah, no, say? no, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite venues. But but when I used to DJ, I DJ there once as a as a support act. Well, there was the main the main DJ was DJing upstairs on the top floor, and I was just basically brought in as a. As a, can you just DJ in the middle floor, please? Because you know, because the other DJ pulled out. So DJ there on the on the on the middle floor, and like um, and lo and behold, like um, I put a long record on. I think it was um, I think it was Rolling Stones, uh, simply for the devil. About, about seven or eight minutes, yeah. Yeah, it's my cigarette song, basically. You know, yeah. so you, <laughs> on, you know, walk, you know, go out for a cigarette, and then by the time we came back. The whole room just filled up with the upstairs room. It's just empty the upstairs room and the, and the middle room filled up. So, so, so the main DJ, DJ decided like half an hour later, fuck this, I'm leaving now. So, so I'm just there. I've got, I've got all his, I've got all his, all his lot and, 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 and a few stragglers which I thought I had, which I only, I only thought I had a few stragglers basically. But after the cigarette, came back out. And there was people dancing on dance floor on the on tables and and yeah that was a that was a kind of a well, one of my favorite DJ nights ever. You mean? Yeah, I, I uh, it's a funny one as well. To uh, like, I'm just thinking more about Deaf Institute. And how, like, I think it's it's also one of the places I take like my families for roast dinners and stuff. Yeah. But um, did you did they then take you? Did you? Stay DJ there, or did uh, they, did yeah, no, I stayed in the middle floor basically. So they closed up the top floor, and I just stayed d- DJing in the middle floor, which was um. And then I just saw the, the main DJ just slope off. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, sorry, sorry, you know, you know. Right, it's so my doorbell's gone again. Excuse don't me worry, don't worry. <laughs> I thought that was just perfect, um, perfect timing of a sound effect. What for the uh, for the other DJ leaving? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad uh, Albert Hall got a mention because that is probably my favourite venue in Manchester. But the most annoying thing about that is when you ever say anything to anyone that's not from Manchester that you go into the Albert Hall. Oh yeah. Always assume uh-huh. it's the one in London, and you're like, no, it's this converted church in the middle of Manchester. Sure, they named it after that, though, didn't they? You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, let's call it the Albert Hall. You know, just oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. It's incredible, like the um, because it's a listed building, they're not allowed to put yeah. a lift in it. Right. But then the accessibility and disabled section is on that upper floor. So they'll either, if you need to, the staff will carry people in, in wheelchairs up the set of stairs there. But once you're up there, 
they'll come and take your uh, drinks orders on an wow. iPad and go down to the bar and bring them back up to you. And also they take photographs of the merch section and say, do you want me to go down and get you anything from the merch That's section? Cool. Yeah. So they've like made a lot of allowances to make it as accessible as possible. Within you won't get that in London. <laughs> no, you won't get that in the other Albert Hall. <laughs> Northern I... Independence, Burnham and Rashford now. <laughs> Funnily enough, I think I've seen the horrors at both Albert Halls. I think oh, I've wow. just, that I've just realised. Um, but um also, so I've seen a lot of gigs. Neutral Milk Hotel, I saw at the Albert Hall, which is a once-in-a-lifetime gig and one, one of the best gigs. I've been, I think I spoke about it a lot on this podcast. One of the best gigs I've ever been to. Also saw Wiley at the Albert Hall, but he, um, not unlike Wiley, I didn't see Wiley. Oh, <laughs> it was a Wiley gig, but Wiley wasn't there. <laughs> oh, man. They just should have got Stan into DJ instead. He's he's always <laughs> covering for headliners. Uh, uh, anyway, Stan, we'll move on to your dream festival. Okay. To begin with, we're going to need a name for it and a location. Okay, cool. Well, I'm I'm calling um, uh, Fish and Chip Fest. Rocket <laughs> yes. uh, down by the seaside. Oh, brilliant. Does that give us some sort of clue as to where it might be being held? <laughs> yeah. I want it to be held um, by the seaside, yeah. Um, Blackpool. Is, is Blackpool. Uh, Brilliant. Uh, purely Brilliant. because um, it's just, Blackpool just has, I just have lots of memories of Blackpool, just nostalgic memories, basically. You know, I remember going there for, since, like, since the 70s and 80s, like, like um, and just having so much fun. So, um, so, 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 having this festival in Blackpool will just hopefully rejuvenate the the economy there, and um, and yeah, basically just turn it into like a in, into the place it was back in like like in this heyday when all the all the comedians used to go there. You know, what what's it? What's the sort of um, and with no offense for the people like like me who aren't old enough to remember Blackpool in the seventies and eighties? What what was it? What's the change that's happened there? I, well, like when I used to go, you know, we used to go to like the, the Pleasure Beach, and it was always it just felt like uh, Pleasure Beach. We'd go up the tower, we'd do jungle gym in the tower. We'd go on the beach, go on donkey rides on the beach. You know, you know, just walk around up and down the promenade, and it was just you know. And then we maybe hire a boat and then go on a little boat somewhere. You know, and all these all these kind of things, which was just you know that, that etched in my memory. And but but now it's like you go back there and it's like it's just like like tumbleweed to yeah. you know and like um you know all, all the all the B and Bs are closed down and and it's just kind of just doesn't feel like um you know it was thriving when we used to go there you mean it was always always busy thousands of people and now it's just like you just get the old stray walking around up and down the street really you mean it just doesn't feel like it just, yeah no it just feels like a a city that's just really on its arse, basically, you know. My, my yeah. mates, um, who I have given a shout out to before, but Shy Bands Get Out, they do like a zine, and they're, they're artists, an artist collective. They're doing a, um, they're doing an exhibition in Blackpool, which they've been setting up, and hopefully when everything opens again, like we can go. So hopefully there is some sort of, you know, that they're, they're trying to, 
people I know are sort of trying to do art there and things, you know, and that sort of bring back a sense of like culture and stuff. But as you said, it's a really family friendly place. I've been another one of the best gigs I've ever been to was at the um, uh, the Empress Ballroom. That's, oh. uh, uh, saw um, Arcade Fire there. Oh, right. um, it was when they were doing the reflector tour, mm-hmm. and to get in, you had to be you had to be dressed up like as the reflectors so you have people there in face paint and glittery outfits and tuxedos and suits and everything i don't know if anyone else has been to a gig there but it's got like a bank it's like a trampoline the floor when everyone's bouncing up and down it is like nothing i've ever experienced i mean the ketamine might have helped as well (laughs) (laughs) the roots has got got pretty bouncy down the floor the roots yes it does yeah 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 that's another good one but my, Blackpool used to be a big uh, stop-off point for lots of bands. I think going further back than the 70s, my dad went to see, I can't remember if it was Jimi Hendrix or The Who, but you say Blackpool would be one of the... They wouldn't do they wouldn't do Manchester or Liverpool. They'd do Blackpool and they'd wow. do Lancaster because Lancaster was a big student population, but they'd do Blackpool as their main northwest point. So I think he saw Hendrix in Blackpool. I love but, him. Uh, uh, Hendrix in Blackpool sounds like a... Uh, <laughs> An NME band. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a, I, I think you, I think there's some psychic vibes going on there. I think you're kind of preempting my my headline as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, before we get to them, uh, fish and chip fest brackets down by the seaside. <laughs> uh, we're going to need days of the week for it to take place uh, on. Well, it's going to be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Pure because 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 usually you know usually festivals are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but I need that Sunday to recover. You know? Yes. I need to kind of. I, I'm, I'm thinking about getting back to work on Monday. If I don't have that day recovery on on Sunday, Monday is a write off as well. You see, you know. So um, that's why it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday for me. Yeah. Sunday to recover from all the carbs, from all the fish and chips. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've changed my mind quite a lot on this, but that I think that's the. That's the golden choice for me, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's the that's the winner's choice. I, I can't... Thursday, I think Thursday is a great day of the week anyway. Even if you're working Friday, you're still excited for the weekend, aren't you? Yeah, yeah that's when you start thinking about the weekend already, you know. It's like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Sunday is just... Sunday's grim. So you want you want that. I, I think I said this last week, but you still have that, that intrinsic feel of heartbeat... Do it having to do homework or whatever at 8 p.m. and not go to bed. Oh, Sunday, bloody Sunday, in the words of Alan Partridge. Oh, Bono. Oh, Bono. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two very different meanings when each of them says it. Uh, so, when we're talking about Blackpool as the host uh, town for your festival, would you have a big stage? Big, big festival stage set up on the beach or would you use like the pre-existing like Tommy said the Empress Ballroom the Winter Gardens would you use those stages already I'll, I'll, I'll um, you know like um, I was thinking like, like one of the, the, the those places initially but I'm, I'm feeling it should be outdoors though you know I mean like um, I'm, I'm hoping the weather's going to be like like in, in the mid 30s you know so, and, and, keep, and keep it outdoors and like I, I'm I'm thinking there surely must be a, a, a bit of green space kind of near the beach, but by the, by the promenade, you know, and that's where it'll be, I guess, you know. 
You're God in this. You are God in this. So you you can choose the weather, Stan. However well, you want. I'll, 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 what I'll do is I'll knock down that building and turn it into a <laughs> into a <laughs> green space, and, that, and that's where the stage is going to be. It's got to be outdoors, you know. And, uh, okay. What sort of if we're going to talk specifically in degrees, what what weather are we talking? Oh, we're talking like hot sunny weather. Yeah, mid mid thirties. Yeah, because it's like because. Ultimately, like um, there's going to be some people who, who won't be able to get in the B and Bs, so they'll need to camp, you know. And um, and like I don't want anyone camping in the rain. I mean, you know, it's just, just not on. So, it's not on, is it? No. So, <laughs> so at least they're, they're going to be camping maybe on the beach. You know, where it'll be hopefully the tide doesn't come in too much. But you know, bringing better casino to Blackpool essentially. Oh yeah, this is what I'm imagining. You mean, like, surely there must be a day of the year where we know Blackpool is going to be hot and sunny. You mean, and um, me and Johnny can arrange that for you. Yeah. <laughs> we have that. We have that power. We have that scientific knowledge <laughs> to be able well, to manipulate weather. But the important, important thing about this the fish and chip fest is is that like um, the food stalls there, it's essentially like all fish and chips. There's nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like a, but it's also there's also like a fish and chip competition you know, you know there's people judging like, um, who the best fish and chips are basically you know I love are you that. putting yourself forward for that judging position Stan oh definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> what what's your order when you go to the fish and chip shop what's my normal order yeah uh, f- fish chips uh, peas and and great and no and curry yes same here yeah and uh, yeah, and maybe a couple of scallops. You know what? Like, I, I, I've always had an issue with scallops, even though we used to sell them at Archipy. I just got the idea of like battered potato. <laughs> like, come on, just have chips, you know? Both, mate, both. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's just wrong with you. One of the portion of chips with scallops on top. <laughs> like, it's like triple carb. Yeah, yeah. Right. and then put it on a bomb and you saw yeah, it. <laughs> have you ever had a, either of you had a pie bomb? No, I'm not from Wigan, mate. <laughs> oh, no, this, this is something that I'll, I'll regularly have have after school. You mean I'll have a bomb, stick a meat and potato pie in it, and a, bit, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a and a drizzle of curry sauce. Or pea wet. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> in Manchester, you might have to. This is getting possibly too. Some of us are not going to. They're not going to know what we're on about right now. But I'm going to say in Manchester, the other side, um, towards City Stadium, there's a vegan fish and chip shops just open. It's called Vish and Chips, really? and they do vegan, like vegan fish and vegan sausage, and vegan scampi. But it's it's too far away for Deliveroo to get it to us, and I'm not driving all the way over there. <laughs> by this. By the time we get back, so once everything opens up again, I might go over there and try. Ooh, John, we we should all take a day trip. We can all we can all meet up and get Carl Anker along. Well, well, well actually, yeah. what well, the thing is, like, like, I'm actually a vegetarian apart from Fridays. Right. Like um, Fridays, we all get fish and chips. Like um, it's just a, it's just become. It's the one I can't give up basically. You know, it's like it's, it's Friday fish and chip day. Yeah. No, I I was veggie for for four years until. Um, until lockdown, <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck it, we're all gonna die." So, <laughs> but uh, it's a good, a good job you got fr- a Friday in your festival, then, isn't it? If yeah, yeah. <laughs> fishy Friday. <laughs> so we'll start with the Thursday at uh, 
fish and chip fest brackets down by the seaside. Um, what's that looking like and who's playing that for us? Right, it's going to have to be Led Zeppelin. <laughs> gig is though they're not doing their greatest hits gig it's um I've, like more recently i've been going to gigs well before lockdown i've been going to gigs where where, where bands have been like performing their, their whole album basically as opposed yeah. to kind of doing doing like um, the current album and, and hits they'll do um like it'd be like the 25th anniversary of whatever album it is and they'll tour the album basically you know and 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 that gets me really excited because there's some bands who are I hate, but they'll release a specific album which is fucking brilliant. Yes. No, and I just and I only like them for that one album, and I don't like them for anything else. You mean? So it's like which Led Zeppelin album we're talking? We're talking Physical Graffiti. Wow. Okay. It's a a double album, and um, also like um, there's a there's there's a song on it called Down by the Seaside as well. Zeppelin, it's a Led Zeppelin themed fish and chip party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's fantastic. John, I think it's the first time we've had Led Zeppelin, isn't it? As a main yeah, headliner. They're, yeah, they're definitely one of those bands that you would expect to get picked quite early on. But I guess it's just. I went, I'm, they're I, so bayomophic that people, they almost slip people's minds. A bit like. Good word, mate. Like good pink, word. 
bit like Pink Floyd are that they're so big, but I think they go under the radar a lot of the time as well. They're not the Beatles, but they are massive bands that people often forget about. Led Zeppelin, what did I go? I went through my stages Led Zeppelin 4 when I first got into Led Zeppelin when I was about 15, 16. Um, but yeah, physical graffiti, can't argue with that, mate. Yeah, that's no, it's, it's one of the great albums. Well, yeah, well, well it's my personal favourite for, for lots of reasons because it's my dad had it, basically, you know. He had it but never listened to it. He, he bought a really posh, you know, stack, like, um, you know, and um, and, he bought, and what came with it was like was like a box of box of records basically that he just never listened to, and I never listened to mine because it's like because they were associated with my dad. You know what I mean? It's like these are dad's records. I'm not gonna listen to any of them. But but like um, but as I was but as I was growing up through the years, you know, like um, I did notice like the physical graffiti album in there, uh, and um, didn't know what it was. You mean know, I didn't know who Led Zeppelin were either for for like a good decade or so. And then, but then I just thought this 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 record is just really interesting. And then I don't know if you've actually seen the record sleeve, but if you pull it up and down, there's like a little nude woman stripping, basically. You know. Oh, uh, brilliant! Like a that, pen, <laughs> like one yeah, of those. Yeah. So it's, so you lift up the the, the <coughs> like the sleeve and like she's she, she's fully dressed, and then you lift up again, and then she kind of undresses more. And obviously for a teenager, <laughs> it's kind of like this is wow, this is amazing. But then, you know, I looked at song song titles, and I didn't really, um, you know, and, and I remember the song titles, but I never listened to the record. You know, but but the, but the whole design of the record, I was just um, fascinated by it. And then um, a few years, kind of like after that, when I was after this fascination with this record, you know, the Atlantic fortieth um, anniversary uh, concert. So like this 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 was being live like around the world basically, you know, and Led Zeppelin won the, won the acts. And um, I wasn't even sure who Led Zeppelin were then, but like, I used to just record everything, you know, anything that was gigs, I'd just record them all, you know. And then I, <clears throat> and then I listened back, I watched back the video, I watched the Led Zeppelin bit, and their first song that came on with was Kashmir, which is on Physical Graffiti. And yeah. that's when all kind of like, shit, there's like, there's Kashmir on this record here. It's like, <laughs> that's Kashmir. Kashmir just like first time I heard Kashmir and it just blew me away. You mean it was like it's just it's one of their songs which like yeah it was it was just it was like a musical explosion that just happened you know and that just Amazing. you know and then to then to actually kind of link it with the fact that like my dad's got this record and it's kind of yeah it was um it was, it was that uncanny moment that that made me that when Led Zeppelin just became instantly became my favorite band you know. Beautiful, beautiful explanation. Um, I uh, sorry, Joy. Were you going to say something? I had something. I, I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> no. I was just, yeah, just going to say, is are, do you like their other albums, or is it yeah. just oh, specifically? Yeah. No, I love them. I, I love Led Zeppelin One, Led Zeppelin Two. Yeah, I love, love love them all. But but physical graffiti just holds something dear to me. That's all you mean. But but the idea is, it's like, is like the support acts on that on the headline day would be performing. Led Zepp songs. <laughs> that, that, that would be the, that would be the, you know, you, we're booking you, but you're not playing any of your own songs. You're playing Led Zepp. That's so good. You know. 
Who is that? Any band in particular or just like a, a, a cover band? Or have you got like some mad, I don't know, White Stripes or someone doing it? Well, the bands, basically my favourite bands whilst over the last 10 years or so, the last 20 years or so, like are Broadcast, Dungan and Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Justice as well. Rock, aren't they? You know what I mean? Even though they're very like, rock, yeah. They're like, seen the documentary? The oh, god, I was telling someone who we had on this about, about that documentary and that just how rock and roll they are, like, and how they they're like modern rock stars, but they're DJs essentially and going around just being absolute bastards, but like cool as fuck. <laughs> uh, but I'm really like, I you know they played Glastonbury. Was it last year or the year before? Was it Glastonbury? No, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't last year. Yeah, a year before I think. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I didn't know much about Justice. I just got the records and, and just listened to them. And I, and I assume when they were the Glastonbury, like um, they'll actually ha- had a band with them. You mean know? it? was just I was, I was so disappointed with just them, those two just pressing buttons for like yeah, an hour. Yeah. That, that, you know, but I, I would hire Justice would get them to form a band. Sick. And and do Led Zeppelin covers in their in their style. Would it, would it be like the scene from Wayne's World? I've got to ask. Where there's a big <laughs> sign on the side of the stage saying "No Stairway to Heaven." No stairway. Denied. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to have stairway. Surely. No, yeah, got so actually stairway like like for a song that I kind of really liked, and then obviously like all, with all the connotations attached to it, you just kind of whilst growing up. It was like, oh no, yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear stereo again. But as I've got older again, it's a song that I was starting to like. And you mean I used to play it to my kids whilst they were whilst they were babies, basically, you know, just to get them into Led Zeppelin, you know. Until so, the second half when it goes fucking mental. Yeah, <laughs> just just yeah. the eerie guitar bit. But I have to point out though, like I'm going back to um, that 40th Atlantic birthday Led um, gig. They do let they do stereo to heaven on that. And it's the most atrocious version of it. Oh, really? Like an ever. It's like because by the time like Jimmy Page gets to that song, I think he's level. So he's trying to. The, oh, it's, it's the worst guitar guitar playing you'll ever hear in your life. <laughs> but, but 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 worth checking out just to listen to it, basically, you know. Oh wow! What, what I, I remember what I was going to ask before, and it's like how much of um, 
could you call a great album a great album unless it didn't have great artwork because of what you do how much of an impact does artwork have like and the artist as a whole like there's not many the album as a concept and the artwork and everything i don't i feel like not many do it as as well or as like intricately as they did maybe in the 60s 70s and 80s maybe other than like Kanye West is someone who still thinks about every aspect of it but how important is that to you like how it looks as well uh to be honest I've never I've never really thought about it really you know what I mean I don't get me wrong I have bought albums purely on the quality of the sleeve yeah and not give a shit about the music you mean but like um, I, I don't um I don't um you, you kind of you, like for me. I buy the record because I want the record, and if the artwork is great, it's a bonus. Then that, that's, that's a bonus, you mean? But I've never, you know, it, it is good that do bands do think about it, you mean? Know? But but back in the sixties and seventies, it was it was literally like um, three or four guys anyway that just did all the great prog rock albums anyway, you mean? Know? So so if if we if we go to him to do this record sleeve, you'll be fine, you mean? Know? Yeah. You know, essentially that's what they did really. You know, all the big record labels, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah, like a handful of, like um, art designers. Right. Designers, where here you go, just give it to him, and they'll just do something good. You mean? And, wow. they'll, and they'll go back to the same same design, like every for each album, basically. You know. I never knew that. That's interesting. Um, cool. Well, that's an amazing start. What's the uh, What's the Friday? Wait, I was going to ask it. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. Go on. <clears throat> Um, you said with with Led Zeppelin, your dad had that record, and you didn't want to listen to it because it was your dad's record. Are you worried that your kids won't listen to a lot of good music because they know you listen to it? <laughs> well, 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 yeah, that could be the case. But like, you know, music's all is all very subjective, isn't it? So it's like you know, they they they're liking their they like their stuff. You mean I'm not, I don't want to push anything onto them. You mean no? That's that's my that's the important thing. You know, they like their stuff, but. But, you know, but now because we watch a lot, lots of films together, and like, um, and sometimes like, it's music from films that, that that's slowly kind of, kind of like, that's getting them. You mean know, we watched the film Moxie the other night? And oh, was, I watched that the other week. It was a brilliant film. You mean know, But it's 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 like it's that little punk band that that, that girl punk band they're playing. It's like that's the stuff. You know, I mean, that that you know that I would force on them, but I don't have to force it on them because they're just they're just seeing it kind of like. Subconscious, not subconsciously, but it's there for them to kind of, you know, uh, you know, you know, choose themselves. I kind of like, I kind of like lead them to like to where the good music is, but I won't necessarily just tell them what it is. You mean, know? yeah. And I, and the good thing now is like my girls were obsessed with the Beatles, and and they were always playing like they go Alexa play Beatles greatest hits, which is great. But now they're kind of slowly kind of um, picking albums out now. You mean, know? wicked. Like, how old are they? Um, my youngest is nine, and my eldest is, is eleven. Legend. Yeah. So, so they're, yeah, they're picking out albums. The one they're missing out all the time is Sergeant Pepper's. They never say that one. <laughs> it, 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 it's just too weird for him. You mean though? It's too obvious. And that's got the most iconic album art as well. So they're missing. Yeah, possibly of all time. I've heard a lot of parents say, um, like you know, the advent of Marvel cinema. Like I, I, I know a lot of people. Um, not that Martin Scorsese is listening to this podcast, but a lot of like proper filmmakers say it's, you know, just franchise filmmaking, but I'm a big Marvel fan, but a lot of parents say that Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance, turned their kids to all this fucking amazing 60s yeah. and 70s music. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's, I'm sure it has that effect, you mean? Uh, 
Yeah, it's I, I I love that. Like every time I watch that Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy I'm just put who is it again, Mister? Yellow. Yellow. That's it. Yellow. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, sorry, Friday. We'll go and see a Friday, Stan. Okay, Friday. Friday. Okay, well, I was, I, was, I was really stuck on Friday. I mean, it was, um, but yeah, but I'm going for Jimi Hendrix. Saying like um, um, Led Zeppelin had to play physical graffiti. Jimmy Hendrix can play any of his greatest hits albums. You know, you know. Well, the thing is, he, he only recorded three studio albums anyway. Yeah. And um, uh, and every song, every song is a killer. You know, you know. It, it, every song is is amazing. That you know, it's one. Of, I mean, it's a shame that he didn't you know last longer really. You know, because he only spent you know four years kind of. You know, like as a as a as a hit maker, really. You mean, and like, and like, you're so prolific in those in those in those four years. Well, you you have, I think, for the sort of, um, you know, he has not just obviously you've got the big hits like Purple Haze and Voodoo Child and, and um, Foxy and stuff, but then. It's not just those sort of songs he does, which it's not until you look into Hendrix more and then you discover like the likes of The Wind Cries Mary. After all the jets are in the boxes And the clowns have all gone to bed You can hear happiness staggering on down the street Footprints dressed in red I mean, like he's not just uh this rock electric guitar god he's very you know bluesy and acoustic and influenced by you know dylan and folk obviously he did the wrong like ron stone covers so and all along the watchtower his version is is second to none as far as i'm concerned you mean it's better yeah it's one of those few where it is i think dylan's probably admitted that himself i, no, I, I think he, it he definitely admitted um, like a Rolling Stone it was the best version, <laughs> you know, or the one that the one that. Um, but yeah, but the, but that, that this was it with um, uh, with Jimi Hendrix. It was watching recording in the Monterey Pop Festival. Something I, you know, I say one of the few things I recorded when I was a kid. 
And right. what, that monster will pop this all over and over again. And he, he opens with um, like a rolling stone. I think he opens it with it anyway. But like, um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just breathtaking. Um, and he does it with such when he he does it with so much like passion and vigor and um, almost aggression. But then, like, unlike the Dylan version, I'm a massive Dylan fan. I love I love his version, but. But then with Hendrix, you got between the between the lyrics, you just got these fucking amazing guitar licks as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think my favourite Jimi Hendrix thing is uh, when he plays the American national anthem at Woodstock with his guitar guitar on fire, just doing. He just did what he wanted, and like everything yeah. he did was incredible. And I don't know if he knew that everything he did was incredible because he was just doing what he wanted to do. But he just had such a way with what he was doing. Yeah, that's well played. Um, played it with his teeth, didn't he? Really, yeah. essentially. <laughs> played it behind his back. Could do what he wanted. <laughs> And he made his amp sound like that, like as a, well, more of a former guitar nerd, but that was one of the first, um, well, apparently it's the Kinks who created distortion with some some weird thing we did with the amp, but the way he, he said he wanted his, he wanted his amp to sound like the helicopters in Vietnam. So yeah. like in between the bits where he's playing it all off, off tune and stuff. And then he's just, his amp's just going like, like, I don't know what that noise was, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, it's not been amazing to witness, though. You mean, it was like, um, you know, off your head. Vroom, vroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, you mean, though. I fucking love that, you mean, I also found out the other day that he was a session musician for the Isley Brothers. Yeah. They've had really? a big uh, thing the other day. Yeah, he was, when he was really, really, obviously he died at 27, so he must have been really young when he was right. doing that, but just... Well, he spent a lot of his, he spent a lot of his time like he was mainly in London, wasn't he? He spent I think he spent more time in Newcastle. Yeah, he spent loads of time in the northeast. Chadwick, the guy from the Trogs, wasn't it? That brought him over. It was what? Sorry, the guy from the Trogs. Right, yeah. Charles, Charles something. Charles. Anyway, he's, he was he was a Geordie, wasn't he? So, and he brought him over to to London. Wow. Someone else was telling me the other day. I, I can't remember who it was, but that he. Uh, Someone said one of his manager or something said, "Go and dress like." The, he, I don't know if he didn't have like a look or whatever, but the reason he started wearing all those like mad like military jackets and that is like go and dress like Sergeant Peppers. He's like, look at that cover and go and like uh-huh. dress like that. <laughs> also, you have to remember though, his like the other members in his band, Mitch Mitchell and, and Noel Redding, oh. fucking amazing. Mitch Mitchell, it's, yeah, it's like fucking human is just. Just like, I mean, it's, it's on par with John Bonham, you know, in terms of really like, is. Yeah. like drumming ability. They're, you know, they're. Well, yeah, you forget they are a band. You know, it's the Jimi Hendrix experience, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just Jimi Hendrix, and and they are a, pro- they were a proper proper band. Yeah, pro- probably one of the top, you know, ten bands to come out of Seattle. We'd have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a fair few vying for that title. Um, but what, if he was still, if he was still around now. Do you think he'd still be making music? Um, do you think he'd, you know, what sort of music do you think he'd be making? Oh, God, good question. I never even thought about that, really. Because you know? he would only be, 
Would he be in his... Well, I think he'd be in his 70s now, wouldn't he? Or coming up yeah, to about McCartney's age, wouldn't he? So, like, early 70s. Yeah, there's a good chance he would still be making music. I reckon... He moved it, into uh, politics or something, though. Yeah, yeah. Six was nine. If six was nine, that's a good political statement. But, uh, no, I reckon it'd be... Yeah, yeah. It'd probably be a, a, an acoustic folk story, I reckon. But, yeah. With lots of whittles. Yeah. <laughs> with, you know, I think it... I think he might... He seems to be the guy who would chill out, I reckon, as opposed to kind of go uber extravagant. Yeah, we... We had on uh, that reminded me, Johnny, when we had the Magic Gang on, and they they chose Hendrix. They're a Brighton band, and they said they'd love they wanted Hendrix, but they wanted to have what he would have done in the eighties, like with guitars and synths. And that. <laughs> They're like, it would be fucking awful, but fucking amazing. <laughs> off, off the back of what Stan said, you can see him sort of going the way that Johnny Cash went, and sort of going grizzled and yeah. playing a lot of. Playing a lot of covers, but in his style, like Johnny Casted Hurt and um, uh, Personal Jesus and things like that. I can see Hendrix going down that direction. I feel you know, like he's one I'd, if I had to pick one, which is quite a sinister sort of question, but like if I could have one of those icons, sort of like Lennon or, or, um, Kurt Cobain or something, I think Jimi Hendrix, what he, what he would have done, because as you say, he was so, prolific in that short sp- space of time what he would have done would have just been incredible he was he was getting really experimental though towards the, his later years it was getting really jazzy and, blue, more, and even more bluesy really so so i reckon the, the 70s would have been a weird kind of experimental art jazz kind of phase you know and doing albums with miles davis and stuff <laughs> yeah you imagine that fucking and then yeah. and then he'll have a he'll probably have a pop stage basically back in to the 80s you know Definitely, yeah. Hen- yeah. Hendrix, Hendrix, and Prince yeah. together. Oh, in the 80s. fucking well, hell! Well, yeah. Well, this is what I was stuck between Hendrix and Prince. Really, you mean like like like, like for the Friday? I guess, I guess like, like Prince can support. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> will be support, but but it, it, it'll have to be Prince doing his um like like, like playing with the uh, third eye girl, though. you know, yeah. Yeah. like like because I went to I went to see the one of the secret gigs in in at the Academy. Oh, did you? Yeah, so jealous. But he he had like a half an hour just rocking out. It was like um, he, he literally put a distortion pedal down and just let's go crazy. What was fucking crazy? It was like a metal rock version of that. You know, you know? like a really stoner. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing because it's like you know, as well as liking like pop and pop and rock, uh, like. Like and rock was something like you know I really like him you know and it's like and yeah on him to, to rock out like that was like whoa it was like it blew me away that um like for those few songs literally just put this hit the distortion pedal so we print plus distortion pedal yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me like the, those two are I think Prince is so, such a good pop act and he did so many things and obviously Hendrix didn't have a chance to because of when he died but. Prince is almost as good a guitarist as Hendrix, oh, yeah. you know. That he's proper up there. Like the, those two, in terms of popular music, and I'm not talking jazz or uh, more experimental and a lot of guitar. In terms of what everyone knows, like there's there's not really many better than those two. And to be fair, Jimmy Page, as you mentioned, I watched that. Um, you know, Prince playing the guitar solo of um, "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." When yes. He, like, <laughs> 
Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne is like, oh, God. I've watched it a lot. You're in so do I. <laughs> Well, maybe once a month, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just put that on. Yeah, he he apparently apparently, and you you see uh, Danny Harrison's face, George's yeah. son, and he's just like absolutely buzzing. <laughs> he, he can't because apparently they just asked him about like not long before it. Yeah. No, no, they were rehearsing. I think he was doing something else on TV or whatever it was, and I think he was like, "On oh, what's going on there? Like, why aren't I?" invited and, but i think they were probably too intimidated by prince with his fucking ping pong tables and whatnot backstage and his entourage and they're like well yeah do you want to do you want to come on and he just like he hadn't even rehearsed it and just goes on and just fucking blows everyone away and then he chucks his guitar off yeah oh yeah that's good that that move is so smooth wasn't it where he walks he chucks it off and yeah. he doesn't even like he doesn't look where it's gone to see yeah, if it's hit anyone else and just walks off the stage before it's hit the floor yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna to have to step in before this becomes another. Sorry, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Let's let's move on. So that's that's Fishy Friday with Jimi Hendrix. You're allowed. You're allowed your, to become Friday. a pescatarian for the day, Stan. <laughs> but now we're on to Saturday, the closing day of your festival. Who is closing out the whole thing? Right, um, Steve Wonder. Like, um, this is definitely his, uh, um, you know, I was talk talking about like um, playing um, the albums. Well, um, a few years ago for my birthday, I, I went to see Steve Wonder do um, Songs in the Key of Life at High Park. Yeah, straight up, best gig I've ever been to. You know, you know I, I was lucky to kind of be quite close to the front, but you know, but like Songs in the Key of Life was, um, you know, was, was one of the first Stevie albums I ever got into basically, you know. So, 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 watching him do that at High Park, played it note for note, really. You know, you know, not much talking in between songs. They literally just played it note for note, and and for me that was just sublime, brilliant. But but for this Saturday night, I want him to do Inner Visions and Talking Book. You know, because because they're my two other favourite Stevie albums. I feel like this is the see him perform those two albums basically. Wow. Yeah, it would be as good as the um, 
as good as the songs in the key of life. But also, I want him definitely in his 70s garb. I don't know if you've seen um, the video of him at um, Beat Club on YouTube. He's like a Beat Club's like a German TV show. Right. Um, and he's just dressed up in his 70s shit. And his guitarist <laughs> is like this big, big head, big, big moustache, big side is playing his Gibson. Les Paul Gibson is like, Oh. This is dirty. This is dirty. You know, this is, this is dirty, funky rock kind of soul psyche. You know, you know, and that is the Steve one that I want. You know, all his backing singers with big afros. You know, oh. yeah, that look is yeah. He has to look like that. Transporting back. That's amazing. Here, yeah. you mean? That's great. Uh, I've got. I think I was about to grab it, but I can't actually see it. I've got some songs that I've been looking through my old vinyls and. Yeah. Um, Songs of the key on life. Songs of the key of life. <laughs> Bloody hell. Long day. Uh, would he have anyone? Because he's obviously, I don't know, collaborated with pretty much everyone worth their soul over the years. Would you? Would you have just him playing the, the albums, or would you have any guests on stage? Well, well, Jeff Beck is a is a guest on one of the songs on on Talking Book, so Jeff Beck will will have to come on and yeah. do the guitar bit, you know. So, um, but no, just him and his band, him and his best players will be will be um, the headline act. You mean it? Yeah, you could have Blue come on and do "Sign, Seal, Deliver." I'm yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had in mind, Johnny. I didn't want to say it. I was a bit too bashful to admit my uh, adoration for Blue there. I think he was going through some money trouble when he when he did that. Fuck no. How did that happen? I, you know what? I buried that into my subconscious. And... Oh, shit. All of a sudden, that fucking... I, I wonder what you're talking about, but I just remembered now. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a fever dream. It really happened. <laughs> Duncan, Anthony, Simon and Lee. And Stevie. <laughs> and Stevie, we're all together at last. <laughs> no, he's, he's never going through money problems. He just must, like, really badly advised and managed. <laughs> Do you think hell. he was told, like, Blue, uh, take the, that the, or something? The new Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Still, take that, like, fucking hell. Oh my god! Take that would still be a reach for Stevie. I know they have more credibility than Blue, but um, I'm just trying to think of great Stevie Wonder features on other people. Oh, on um, Diane Warwick's uh, "That's What Friends Are For." I love his his vocals on that as well. Um, but yeah, he plays, uh, plays harmonica on um, like Eurythmics and the Lennox song. Oh shit! Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, but yeah, let's let's leave blue out of it, shall we? <laughs> I maintain the intro or the first part of if you ever want to make anybody dance on demand. I don't know why you would want to, but if that's your will, no. put on Sir Duke, and that beginning of Sir Duke will make anybody get up and dance. Music is a world within itself, with a language we all understand. Do not eat or are to sing dance.
yeah, no, that's a wedding favourite. You know, when, when I used to DJ weddings, if, if I was struggling, ah, so you come. Get the mums and dads on. If, no. you, if you're at the top floor of Deaf Institute and people are walking out, put Sir Duke on. Yeah. <laughs> should, should have told that fucking DJ that at the time, the poor bugger. Uh, but Tommy, do you want to run through Stan's festival in full? Yeah, Stanley Chai, that was uh, a brilliant edition of your fest. So, it's called Fish and Chip Fest in brackets down by the seaside. And that is because it is being held at Blackpool. Um, it's outdoor, the temperature is mid-30s. We're going to get some sort of greenery of some kind on the coast, on the beach. People are camping on the beach. It's been a casino brought to Blackpool in the northwest of England, the best place in the world. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday festival. On Thursday, we've got Led Zeppelin playing physical graffiti in full. Supporting them, we've got the likes of Justice and Yeah, 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 Summer Stands, modern favourites, playing other Led Zeppelin covers. On Friday, we have got the man, the king himself, the king of the guitar, uh, Jimi Hendrix, and we've I've managed to convince Stan to get a bit of uh, Prince in there. Didn't take too much convincing. Um, but those two having a guitar off is just mind-blowing. Saturday, we've got Stevie Wonder. And um, what were the albums again, Stan, that he's doing? Talking Book and In The Vision. There we go. Um, we, are, we just have Stevie's main players, a bit of Jeff Beck on one song, and no blue. I'm sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Stanley Chow, thanks for coming on your best, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. First time blue have ever been picked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have a chippy in Manchester soon, I'd say. That was episode 39 of Your Fest with a fantastic Stanley Chow and some great choices uh, with Led Zeppelin, who I'm surprised haven't been picked before. Jimi Hendrix again making another headline appearance. And the way that Stan spoke about Led Zeppelin and the way he spoke about all the musicians was amazing to listen to, Tommy. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? When, <clears throat> excuse me, when the fact that Led Zeppelin haven't been picked before, but. Uh, and it brought me back, the way he described it and physical graffiti and the way it kind of took me back to being 15 when I very first got into Led Zeppelin and how obsessed I became. Um, and probably like a lot of you, I'm going to go and watch loads of, I'm going to watch that particular performance in a bad version of Stairway to Heaven after this. But yeah, fantastic lineup and fantastic location. Well, less said about Blackpool, the better as far as I'm concerned. A Preston Ooh! boy through and through. I didn't bring it up on the podcast, but uh, sorry. Very polite of you, Johnny. Thank you very much. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please go back and listen to our previous episodes. There's 38 different ones to pick from. Some fantastic guests there as well. You can also follow Stan on Twitter, Stanley underscore Chow. Go and check out his artwork, check out his website, buy some of his prints, keep him in business and keep him doing great illustrations you can follow me on twitter and not on instagram at johnny gabriel and you can follow tommy on twitter and instagram at tom andrew stew and follow your fest on twitter and instagram at your fest podcast and we'll see you again next week for episode 40 which is when life begins we'll see you then bye love you Hello.